Welcome to this sermon from Silver Lake Baptist Church. Our mission is to celebrate the greatness of God with all we are for the joy, hope, and renewal of our community. We are so glad you have chosen to listen to our message. We pray you will be blessed by your time with us today. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I'm not scare you guys. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> Just you. <laughs> like, oh, Jim gets a preach this morning. <laughs> so, I'm sure. So, um, let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for your goodness, for your peace, and for your love, and for just always being faithful to us. Thank you. Just thank you. That's like, like I don't know what else to do, but thank you, because you're so good, and you're so gracious, and, and you're always faithful, and I thank you for that. Holy Spirit, speak through me this morning, in Jesus' mighty name, amen. <clears throat> so, um, actually, I, um, I was preparing, and sometimes when I'm preparing, I got the video on back there in the little room where I'm just kind of finishing stuff up, and um, I was listening, and Chuck, if you if you have a chance to come to Bible study, we have three really great preacher or teachers, preachers. But they do a phenomenal job. Come, come on early and come hear them because they do a great job and you will be blessed. And so thank you guys. Thank you, Chuck. And thank you to Will and Jim and all you guys who do so much. They're phenomenal. And so, so they're not just common or ordinary. These guys are really good. And so you, you will get blessed by it. So um, come and hear them. And then um, I think, like, the church is going to tip over. <laughs> Because I don't know if someone stinks on the other side <laughs> or what. Because it feels like everybody over here on this side and then here. It's like maybe it's just like we're just going to mess with Pastor James and see what he does. And so anyway, it, it's all good. So it's like there's a bunch of you out there too. So hey, we're balancing stuff out, right? But um, yeah, no, I'm just super grateful um, I'm super grateful, and um, I was just thinking about so much and where I, where I want to go this morning. I had kind of a weird morning, so yesterday my son was um, fixing a fence and putting barbed wire up, and the barbed wire in, when sometimes when you cut it, it gets crazy, and so it went flying and stuck, the barb stuck in his, le- in his leg, and then the end of it caught him in his eye and went into his eye, so I got a text this morning. He didn't go to the doctor, of course. He's telling us, his wife texted me this morning, hey, Damon got his eye hurt, and I was like, oh, man, and so I was on the phone with him, and he, he got it checked out, he's going to be okay, but I was like, you know, when you get hurt, it's one thing, but even though my, my son's, you know, married, got a baby on the way in his 20s, you know, in his, I think he's 27 now, it's hard to believe that he's even that old, but when I look at him and hear his voice, all I think about is he's my son. And so when, when you get hurt, it's one thing. Like, I can tough it. But when it's my kids, that's like a whole different level, even, even now. And, like, it caught me off guard a little because I kind of thought in my heart, like, maybe I'm a little tougher than that now, you know? <laughs> He's like, yeah, he's a cowboy. That's how cowboys do it, you know? He's tough, and he is tough, you know? But as a father, it still really bothered me that he got hurt. Even though he's going to be okay, the fact that his eye hurts, that, that something happened to him, really, 
really bothers me. And then I was thinking this morning about our Father in Heaven. And, you know, sometimes I think for so many years I had such a bad opinion uh, of God Himself because I looked at Him like He was a big, big mean God that was far off at the end of the universe. And then, then you go to school and they teach you that the universe is exponentially expanding at the speed of light. So that means that if he's at the end of the universe, somewhere far off in heaven, that every, every like, he's getting farther and farther and farther away from me, and, and he's this mean God that, that, you know, do good, get good, do bad, get beat. Did anybody ever feel like that sometimes? Did anybody ever have that opinion of, of God, or, or was it just me? And the more I tried to do, the worse it got. And so finally, I come to a point in my life where I was like, you know what? I can't do this no more. You know, there's got to be something different. And this God that I think that, that I've learned and that I've heard and that everyone's told me about is this mean ogre. And then if, if I don't do good, he's going to beat me. And if he was an earthly dad, they'd have thrown him in jail for child abuse. Now think about that for a minute. So I had to come to a conclusion to myself, and it's like, I believe in this God with all my heart. It's just that God that they're talking about is not the God that I met when I was running for my life away from him because I didn't want to do it. I ran into a God that was always there. Like, he wasn't in the, in, on the far off on the ends of the universe. He wasn't just somewhere like, like, and he didn't have a club, and it's like the more I ran the more he was there, and he's like, hey, I'm here. And I'm like, no, you're not supposed to be here. I'm trying to get away from you. Like, aren't you supposed to be, like, way off on the end of the universe somewhere, minding your own business and waiting to beat me over the head with a club? And I found that was totally not true. And, and he, he was there. I remember my mom and dad, like, they thought I was going to hell. Like, and they pretty much told me that, too. They're like, you're done. Like, like you're toast. You're smoking, boy. And, I, and, and I'd run into God, and you know what God is? Hey, son, I love you. Come here. Hey, come back to me. Come here. I'm here. I'm not ever going to leave you. I'm not ever going to forsake you. You can't outrun my love. You can't outrun my goodness. And it changed my life forever. Because if what I'd done was based on what I could do, I had no hope, period. And neither do you. And I know most of you guys are, are perfect. <laughs> right? But, but it's so much, even though you're perfect, like we can't even think. Like, like Jesus brought it to level. He said, if you even think that way, that, that you sin. Now, now who, can, who can do that, right? None of us can. So, so what did he do? Our Father sent His Son, His only Son, whom He loved. And He gave His life for us so that now He died for us. That means He died for us once and for all. And so there, there used to be, be like, well, you know, you can't be once saved, always saved. And I thought about that. That bothered me my whole life growing up. And because and I was like, 
Well, what's the point of getting saved? What are you saved from? Are you just saved for this second? So if the rapture happens, you can get beamed up like Scotty, but the next minute if you mess up, then you're going to hell? Or you're stuck feeding the dogs? Or horses in my case? And it gets into this religious thing where we start earning stuff. We earn our blessings. We earn our salvation. We earn our relationship with God. And there is nothing that we have that we have not already been given by a Father who is in heaven that loves us unconditionally and eternally. The Bible says this. He says, while you were yet sinners, Christ died for the ungodly. Now think about that for just a second. While you were yet sinners. If we didn't need him, I'm pretty sure he wouldn't have wasted his time. If you could do it, I'm pretty sure you'd say, oh, Jesus, why don't you go down there? It might not work, and it might work. But you can suffer on this cross and go through all this pain, and then maybe it'll work. Maybe a few of them will get it, and then they'll get saved like eight different times in their life, and maybe they'll get to heaven. I mean, come on. What, what kind of thinking is that? And like I know I'm being kind of harsh on that right now, but Jesus was harsh on the Pharisees and the Sadducees both. Do you know why he was hard? Because he was never hard on the sinners. Like he's out, he's out partying with them, man. He wasn't partying with them, but I mean he was at their house for dinner hanging out. How you doing, Bob? You know? Come on, read the book. I mean, it's in the book. People don't like to like to hear that, but it's in the book. But the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They believed when you died, you're just gone. So they didn't even, what they were saying is that you're not, you don't have any part of God in you. That you're just flesh. And when this flesh dies, then you die. And the Bible says that we're made in God's image. It's his very breath that breathed life into us. So what they're really doing is saying, there's a God far off. He created us. We're going to die. And then we're just done. What they're saying is, the Bible, really what they're saying is, is the word of God wasn't true too. And then you've got the Pharisees who had loophole after loophole after loophole where you get saved today, but if you mess up tomorrow, you're going to miss a rapture. If you die and didn't get that covered, you're going to hell. And there's no security in that whatsoever. That's why there was a sacrifice in the Old Testament. Why? To cleanse, it cleanse not just them from sin, but cleanse their consciences too, knowing there was a sacrifice paid for me. And that sacrifice was a shadow and type of Jesus himself, Yeshua. And, and he's like, just in case you need a clue so you don't miss it, I'm going to name him my salvation. I mean, how much more plain can you get than that? And so I was just thinking about that a lot and thinking about how um, who we are on the inside and what, who I am and that I have a good father. Now, life ain't always fun, 
there's some rocking and rolling that happens in our life, and sometimes it's us doing it. Sometimes it's life doing it to us. It doesn't matter. He, he, he sa- says that, that he will deliver us from, from all the pits, even the pits we dig for ourselves, if we'll just keep trusting in him, right? And so, but, but the point being, he's so good, and he's such, so, so there, and he's so faithful, and we live from the inside out. I'm made in his image. I am a son of the Most High God. And I was just realizing that, and I was like, you know, last, a couple weeks ago, my body was sick. And I got to think about it. I was always like, I am sick. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, you've never been sick a day in your life. I was like, that pizza was really bad. <laughs> like, I hadn't eaten pizza in a long time, and this is like really coming up. And then I realized it hit me. That's exactly right. I've never been sick a day in my life. I've never been broke a day in my life. I've never been anything less than what God is in me because I am a son of the Most High. Now my body has. I'm not my body. I'm a spirit. I am a soul. I live in this body. Right? My body's been sick, but I'm not. See, what you're seeing is you're seeing my car. Like, it's like my truck. You see my truck, you don't go, oh, there's James. Right? When I get out, that's not James, that's my truck. Right? As pretty and as cool as that is, I'm even more pretty when I get out. And I was like, like I wouldn't want you to think of that. I mean, you look like a Rolls Royce or something if you see James. But that's what I look like on the inside, man. But that's not me. And we equate so much with who we are and our identity with this thing right here. When it's really, it's like, like my car breaks down and I have to take it into the shop. But I don't break down when my car breaks down. Like I don't have a flat when my car has a flat. I mean, come on. The Holy Spirit, God's been really dealing with me on this to get to know my identity as who I am on the inside. Because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And when we just think that, like, well, well, Pastor James, you're a pastor. No, I'm not a pastor. I do the work of a pastor, but that's my job. I mean, I am a pastor, but that's not my identity, right? I'm a horse trainer. No, I'm not a horse trainer. A horse trainer is what I do. You guys hear what I'm talking about? You raise horses. You do this with horses. No, that's what I do. I'm not a human doing. I'm a human being made in the image of I am that I am, the great Yahweh. See, you can take all that stuff away. You can take the horse training away and take my jobs away and take my titles away. And when you take, you can take my body away. And I still exist. Why do I still exist? Because I'm not that. Who am I? I'm a son of the most high God. He breathed his life into dirt. 
and said, hey, live. And I still carry his very DNA and his very essence inside of me. And so do you. And so do you out there who haven't met him yet. He's like, he died for you. So I was just thinking of all this and this flesh and all this stuff. And remember me talking about Joshua. How they, God says, Moses, your servant is dead. You know what? We have types and shadows. This book is not a coincidence. Now, I talk about there, there's different levels of how you can read the scriptures. And you can read it literal. And the Bible says, says the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. Or you, you can read it in, in, the, in the logos, or, or you can get a little bit of rhema, too. And the logos is good, too. There's lots of wisdom. I'm not cutting that down. But if you cannot um, go and live out of the spirit and see this as a spiritual book, not a fleshly book, then you'll miss Jesus in the whole thing. It's all types and shadows. Remember Moses when he was in the battle and they had to hold his arms up. So they're holding his arms up. What does that represent? I mean, that represents Jesus. Like he's a rock that they drank from. In, in the desert, he's the manna that rained down from heaven. This whole thing is about Jesus. And when we can see that, it may, makes a way. So here he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And then he's telling Joshua. Now, Joshua's what? It's a form of Yeshua, where we can get Yeshua too. What does it mean? Yahweh's salvation. What Moses where Moses couldn't take them, Jesus, Joshua took them. There's a promised land that God has taken us to. Now, the scripture itself said God gave us the law. Why? So it would lead us to salvation. Because he knew that we couldn't keep it. Like when he come off the mountain with, with, with the Ten Commandments, he said, here's all these. And I'm pretty sure God was saying, I sure hope they don't take this. He says, can you keep all this? And they said, we will keep all of it. And you know how many of them they could keep? Because they had already messed up before the first one ever come down the mountain. What we're then saying is, you know what? I don't need you, God. I don't need you, Jesus. I can do it just on my own. And he says, you can see how it worked for the, for the children of Israel, too. They were free. They were saved. They were baptized. They were walking, eating the manna daily. But they still weren't in the promised land. Why? Because they had a slave mentality. The Bible talks about giving us a spirit of sonship where we cry, Abba, Father. That's pretty cool. That's why they wanted to stone Jesus. And Jesus was like, why are you stoning me? Which good work are you trying to stone me for? We ain't stoning you from any good work. We're stoning you because you said you were a son of God. He's like, oh, that's it? Just because I'm a son of God? Now you're thinking, well, so as a son, in, in, the Jew, in Jewish culture, when you get bar mitzvah, it's called, it's called you become a son. 
And, and so you become co-equal with the Father. So when you say you're the son of this, you're saying you're co-equal with the Father. And they're like, wait a second, you're not co-equal with the Father, and we're going to kill you for it. And he replies this, he says, look, says, doesn't your book, and he tells them pretty much like that, doesn't your book say that, and you are Elohims? What was he saying? It was a little little gods, but it's not God as in his name, it's creators. He's saying you are, really what he was saying is you are sons of God. And you know what Jesus said? And he said, and scripture cannot be broken. He says, it's in your Torah. He said, not only am I a son of God, but so are you. And then he says it again. How many have heard the Lord's Prayer? What does he say? My Father who art in heaven, help these heathens because they'll never get there. (laughs) No. He says, our. Like, when I say, it's our church. It's our chair. It's our dinner. That doesn't mean, if I sat down and say, it's my dinner, that means you keep your hands off of it. (laughs) Right? But if I say, hey, this is our dinner, what am I saying? This is your dinner, too. Right? And so he's saying, our Father, our Abba. And what he was saying is, you are sons and daughters of the Most High God. And then Jesus says this. He said, I and my Father are one. So in the Jewish culture, they were reading exactly what he was saying correctly. They were just trying to kill him for it. Because they were trying to work to keep something that they could never keep instead of resting in the identity of who they really are, who is sons and daughters of the Most High God. And when we have that identity of who we are, well, Pastor James, you know, people are going to sin. You know what? You're sinning anyway. You know why? Because what you look at, you give power. And if you're always worried about it, that's where your focus is, and you're saying sin's more powerful than God. When in truth, I'm a son of God, my focus is not supposed to be on where I mess up, but where he made it up for me. And now I find myself, when I'm in a bad situation, or like, like you get this thing, you, like, it just like feels like, you know what, that's not who I am. I don't do that because I want to be right. I, do, I don't do that because I am right. And I'm living out of a different area of my life than going from that do good, get good, do bad, get beat, right? And it's empowered me rather than defeated me. So I was just thinking, here, here he says, Moses, my servant, is dead. And here's Joshua. And he's leading them to the promised land. And you know what? They had a marching band meet them. <laughs> right? And everything was rosy, right? K- kind of pretty much. They get, to the, get to, the, to the Jordan River and it's in flood stage. Like, whoops, it's flood. And we're going to have to wait until something happens and the river goes down and a drought happens so we can walk across it. And God's like, no. And so what they do? They stepped in. The priest stepped in and the water backed up. Now, guess what? We're not talking about just like a little bitty group going through. We're talking about multitudes 
crossing on dry land. And so the enemy saw what they were, what was happening. And they were scared to death of them. Because they already knew when they left Egypt, guess what? God parted the Red Sea. And now they're getting ready to go into the promised land. And guess what God does? He parts the Jordan River in flood stage. You think floods aren't, aren't very serious, man? I know personally. They can be quite serious. And they can wash you away and be just as dangerous as a sea. And God provided for them. And so they get across. And they're in enemy territory. And once they get across, guess what happens? The water comes back together. So guess they have a swollen Jordan River on one side. They have enemies facing them on the other side. And do you know what God tells Joshua to do? He says, I want you to take your army, all your fighting men, that have never been circumcised, and I want you to circumcise them. Can I think about this for a second? This is the dumbest military move probably in the history of military moves. Right? You move into enemy territory where everyone is wanting to kill you. Remember, there are giants in the land. Like they were afraid to go into this land. And God says, guess what I want you to do? I want you to circumcise everyone. And guess what that was? That was his entire army. Whew. Talk about trust. Talk about vulnerability. Talk about saying, Father, guess what? I give everything to you and I'm going to trust you completely. They were trusting God with their life. See, these folks have went from the slave mentality. This is a whole generation. The generation before had died in the desert and this generation is like looking for something better. They're like, I'm tired of manna. I'm tired of marching. This parade is way too long. Let's get out of this thing. They're ready. They're raring to go. They're believing God and hearing God. And as they're walking, God opens the, the, the door for them and they walk into the promised land. And the Bible says he had them circumcised. Now, here's one of the things that I've learned. What's he talking about? What's he trying to tell us in this? It's like when we're walking in the promised land, to walk in the promised land, we can't do it in the flesh. God wants us to cut the flesh off. We don't live in the flesh, but we live in the Spirit. The Bible says those that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. And so we're not worship. We can worship Him with our flesh. Like we can raise our hands. And, but He's not, not talking about that. He's talking about living out of our true identity. Living about, out of who we really are. See, they were living out... They were Israel. They were princes with God. They had an identity and a future and God's promises on them. And there wasn't any enemy that could touch them. You know why? Because they were in God. They were literally living in God in his favor and his protection. You know what God did? Enemy come down and wiped them all out, but three of them. 
had to start over? No? That's not how it worked? What happened? They healed up. They had Passover. Anybody remember Passover? They had Passover on that, that side. And it says, they, after they had Passover, the next day they ate from the land that was flowing with milk and honey, and they didn't need the manna no more. What God's saying, when we live out of the Spirit, you know what we're really touching and accessing is not our abilities, but God's ability. Not, not just in, in, um, in the spirit realm, in our salvation, but in, in our provision, in our health. God says, I will supply all your needs according to your riches in your bank. I will supply all your, your needs according to the job that you have. No, what is he saying? I will, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches. In glory, in Christ Jesus, right? So what is, he, what is he talking about? Living out of the Spirit, having access to more than just what we see, hear, feel, taste, touch. Not living from the senses. That's what, like, because your senses will fool you. I mean, you can see someone like me, and you're like, wow, they're so handsome. And I am. But I could be just as ugly on the inside as anything out there. Right? It's, it's just my car, man. Don't blame me if I got a Rolls Royce, man. But what's getting out of that car that matters? It's in our hearts is what matters. You can look at the outward appearance, and it can be totally different than what God's wanting to do on the inside. What are you living from? Who are you? Do you know who you are? Because once they figured out who they were, they quit living from the man and from the day-to-day struggle. And they started eating from the promised land. And that's our promises. That's who we are in Christ Jesus. He said, I and the Father are one. And then he said, we are in Christ. Say, well, I can't think real good. No, that's not true. The Bible says you have the mind of Christ. So God gives them a great victory. They didn't even have to fight. All they had to do was march around and then shout and the walls come down. You want to talk about a God who will be for you. Maybe there's walls and impossibilities and, and enemies all around you right now. I'm going to tell you something. Don't try to fight stuff in your flesh. Give it to God. Let, let, let live out of your spirit. No, he's already made a way. All things work for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And guess who that is? That's you. That means everything always will work out for you. So when I get run into a, to a problem now, one of the things I always say is everything always works out for me. Why? Because what I'm really, I'm condensing that scripture down. In all things, God works for my good. Mm-hmm. And it changes who, how we think and how we do things. There's a psalm, Psalms 103 says this. I love this. Praise the Lord, O my soul, 
and all my flesh. No? Praise the Lord, O my soul, with my brain. No? Praise the Lord, and that's a capital L-O-R-D, that's Yahweh, that's I am that I am. Praise the great I am that I am, O my soul, in all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. If we're going to worship a holy God, we ain't going to do it like in this flesh. We're going to do it in our spirit. Because that same, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And the Bible says that he will make our mortal bodies alive. But we're going to do it from the inside out. We're going to live in him. We're going to live circumcised of the flesh in the spirit and then our flesh can't help but respond to who he is in us, right? He and the Father are one and the Bible says that we are in Christ. The Bible says we're seated with Christ. That's pretty powerful. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives some of my sins. He forgives what? All. all my sins and heals some of my diseases. All. all your diseases. Who redeems your life from the pit if you say it enough times. <laughs> who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion who satisfies your desires with just little bitty who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle. Amen? Amen. So Father, thank you for your word. I just thank you for your encouragement and that you continue to live in and through us in the mighty name of Yeshua. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you'd like to learn more about us, check out our website at www.silverlakebaptist.org.